0: Welcome to Sports Bites, the podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. Get ready to dive into the latest scores and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delights. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersection of athleticism and gastronomy. So let's kick off this flavorful journey of episode 13. Today's episode, I'm going to break down the top games in college football this weekend, there's a lot of matchups in the top 25 that pit two ranked teams against each other. We'll talk about those. I'm also going to go over my top 5 comfort foods. That's right. Those foods that you just just make you feel all warm and fuzzy all over, your go-to's. And again, these are my top 5. But I open it up. Feel free to interact on any of the social media platforms. Let me know what your favorite comfort foods are. And feel free to interact anytime. On any of the social media platforms as well, I love to hear your thoughts, your opinions, your takes on on my takes. You know, if you think I'm crazy for what I think, I'll have my give him a six or six pack picks. And for those that know, my uh, sixer call was what I used to use as my touchdown call when I was doing play by play back in the day. So speaking of that, I have spoke to Jordan Evans, young man who played at Norman North, uh, played for the University of Oklahoma, played for the Bengals, and he has said he would. Uh, would be more than happy to come on the podcast, so I'm going to get him to come on. I've got it set up for Matt Skalicki, who works for USA Today, to come on. And also, uh, former student great PJ Mills, guy I used to work with, you know, born in the same hospital he and I were, in Portsmouth, Virginia. So we'll get PJ on. We'll talk a little sports. Very smart sports mind PJ is. But I'm going to tell you, this week, the slate of college football games is a juicy one. It's like that Boston butt that's been on your smoker for about 10 hours, low and slow, and have this feeling this weekend is going to be amazing. There are six matchups that are pitting top 25 teams against one another. Here's the crazy thing. Three of them involve Pac-12 teams. I I can't believe it. It's Pac-12 football, but it's at the forefront. The Pac-12 is dissolving, but it's the forefront right now this weekend. A lot of Pac-12 matchups to keep your eye on. The first of the cluster, 230 games, um, Coach Prime and his 19th-ranked Buffaloes, they're going to travel to Oregon to take on Dan Lanning, Bo Nix, and the 10th-ranked Ducks. Colorado is a 21-point underdog, and, and Vegas has never really been on with the spread for Colorado all year. A 21-point underdog to TCU. They were heavily favored over uh, Colorado State. Just not really figuring out. So I, I don't know about that line, but they're going to travel to Austin Stadium, one of the loudest places in all of college football to play, Shador Sanders is going to have to continue to show the poise that we've seen that he has. Bo Nix on the opposite side is playing really good football as well. Just not as much game time due to Oregon blowing teams out. You know, in the one game that was tight against Texas Tech, it was 38-30 with a win on the road against the Red Raiders. Bo Nix had a great game. Threw for 359 yards and two touchdowns. Led his team after being down twice in the fourth quarter. Oregon's defensive stats are much better. But they have a game against Portland State. That was eighty-one to seven was the final score in that. So you know we all know the, the deficiencies of the Buffaloes on the defensive side of the ball, and we saw you know Colorado State take advantage of some of those. The Buffs will be you know without their dual threat star Travis Hunter. You know he's going to be out for at least three weeks. They're talking about um, with suffering that lacerated liver from that hit he took it the game Saturday night from Henry Blackburn. And we know Coach Prime is a supreme motivator, right? We all know he's a supreme motivator. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does to use to make it personal with this quote that Dan Lanning had about Colorado leaving the, big, the Pac-12.
1: Not a big reaction. I mean, I'm trying to remember when, what they won to affect this conference. I don't remember. Do you remember them winning anything? I don't remember them winning anything.
0: That was Oregon head coach Dan Lanning talking about Colorado leaving the Pac-12. While his statements are true, you know Coach Prime is going to use it as fuel. He's going to use it, you know, that they made it personal. We're not going to talk about him to play football, but they made it personal. I think the Ducks is just going to be too much for Colorado. And it's not that I don't believe in what Coach Prime is doing, what he's accomplishing in Colorado. I just don't think they have the big guys in the trenches to win this battle. The line on the game is Oregon by 21. I would stay away from it because... You know, I could see it going either way. I could see Oregon walking right through them. But I could also, on the flip side, see Colorado keeping it close or even winning. The play for me is the over of 71. I think both teams are going to race up and down the field. And it and it should be fun to watch. I think whoever gets a first stop, big momentum change or turnover, going to be a lot of fun. Now, I will say early on in the press conferences, I loved what Coach Prime, he had a comment, he was talking about, Henry Blackburn, and the hit on Travis Hunter. This is what Coach Prime said about Henry Blackburn.
1: Henry Blackburn, I want you guys to record this and run with this. Uh, Henry Blackburn is a good player who played a phenomenal game. He made a tremendous uh, hit on Travis on the sideline. You could call it dirty. You could call it he was just playing the game of football. But whatever it was, it does not constitute that he should be receiving death threats. That That's... This is still a young man trying to make it in life a guy that's trying to live his dream and hopefully graduate with honors or degree uh committed to excellence and go to the nfl he does not deserve a death threat over a game at the end of the day this is a game someone must win someone must lose everybody continues their life the next day very unfortunate I'm saddened if there's any of our fans that's on the other side of those threats. I would hope and pray not. But that kid was just playing the best of his ability, and he made a mistake. So I forgive him, CU, um, our team forgive him. Uh, Travis, is he's forgiven him. Let's move on. But that kid does not deserve that.
0: And it's 100% true. When did it get to this point? I mean, I understand fandom, social media, keyboard tough guys, everything. But now you're seeing every weekend there's a fight at an NFL stadium. I mean, hell, a man died after getting beaten at the Patriots-Dolphins game. And it's sad because you know, I really want to take my youngest son to a game. But I'm afraid of what he's going to see. I mean, the poor kid's already seen a man get hit by a car last month. And it's sad to think that way, but but what Prime said, it's right. It's just a game. I don't like seeing my teams lose, but whoever put this young man's information out online, shame on you. Yes, he's a Boulder native, but do I agree with the hit? I, I think it was a dirty hit, and maybe there was some intent to it. But Travis Hunter's moved on, Coach Prime has moved on, and, and, and to take it to that level to where you're calling death threats into his family, to him. It's it's just not worth it. And it's, it's sad that this is what we've come to. I won't lie. like I'm really excited because October 15th, my wife has tickets for her and I to go see my favorite team, the Commanders, play the Atlanta Falcons. And I've got Commanders gear. And I'm going to wear it. But there's still a little bit of hesitation because I know there's going to be people out there that are drunk and belligerent, And you see all these fights and it's like, I I just, there is some hesitation. I'm a lot more mature, you know, now that I'm older and have kids, you know, would I have been a hothead and maybe have thrown some fists back? I I don't know, but it's just sad when you're seeing every weekend, there's a video of fights at a game somewhere, but it's just not right. And I think it takes away from the game. So I, I like what coach prime said there. He should not be receiving those death threats, but, They'll move on. Travis Hunter, he was, you know, on his, I think he was on a Twitch stream wearing like a giraffe costume saying he took no personal umbrage to it. They're going to move on. Number 22, UCLA, they're going to head to Salt Lake City to take on the number 11 Utah Utes. We still don't know if Cam Rising is going to take the field. We won't know that more than likely until right before kickoff. Now, if the loud speakers. Start Blair and I see a bad mood rising in Rice-Eccles Stadium. It's a good sign that Cam Rising will make his season debut. The Utah offense has really kind of struggled without Cam under center, only averaging 357 yards of total offense. And if Rising can't go, it looks like Nate Johnson will get the call. Again, now Johnson brings speed and mobility, but not quite as a polished passer as Cam is. And Coach Whittingham's team love to be physical, so if they can establish the run, Put the Bruins defense into missing their assignments, you know, with like the RPO plays. I think that's going to be more beneficial for Utah. They got to keep contained and it could lead to some big plays for the youths. On the other side, the Bruins are being led by Detroit, Michigan freshman, Dante Moore. Now, this kid's come in and he's taken over for the day one starter, Ethan Garbers. You know, his unknown could be an advantage for Chip Kelly and the Bruins. Both defenses have played pretty good against their early season foes, with both averaging giving up less than 300 total yards. On 69.7 for UCLA and 65 yards rushing for the Utes, so they're very good against the run. I think this game is going to challenge it for the UCLA Bruins with the type of ground game that the Utes have. Uh, you know, right now I think the line. If I saw it, Utah favored by four and a half with the over 51, I like the Utes at home, and I would take I would take the Utes minus the points to cover and the over of 51. The last game in that 230 slot. It's a big one here, you know. I, I live in Birmingham. We've talked about it on episodes. I had Damian Mitchell on. We talked about Alabama and their situation. A lot of anxiety here in Alabama as number fifteen, Ole Miss heads into Tuscaloosa to take on a struggling number thirteen, Alabama. Ole Miss has their quarterback situation under control. Jackson Dart, Dart's played well, so well he's buried Spencer Sanders on the on on the bench, you know. And Spencer left Oklahoma State, which they're struggling mightily right now after a 33-7 loss to South Alabama. Nick Saban came out earlier this week said Jalen Milrow will be the starter for the Tide. And I feel Jalen gives them the best chance to be successful. But I know, I know Pete Golding is licking his chops as a D.C. right now to send waves of pressure after Milrow. And if I was Pete Golding, you heard all the comments from Alabama fans. Now you're sitting here as the D.C. for Ole Miss. I'm attacking the six foot seven freshman Caden Proctor at left tackle. You've seen his deficiencies, and I, I'm I'm putting all the pressure on him. He's shown problems in maintaining blocks in pass pro and the run game. So if I'm Pete Golding, I, I attack that side. Now again, you have to play assignment football and contain Milrow because he can't hurt you with his legs. But I think you just wear that left side out. Maybe they'll roll the pocket out for him but they need some more step up from the outside. For Ole Miss, I love the sophomore, Quinshawn Junkins. You know, dart poses a problem for any defense and what they can do with their legs. You know, dart's a solid pass, so look for Trey Harris at wide receiver. The freshman has five touchdowns on eight catches. Five? That's, that's pretty good. We've seen what a decent quarterback with a talented wide receiver could do against this Alabama defense. You know, the Tide, we, we talked about it in the Tuesday episode. They had a players-only meeting on Sunday. And reports are they got things off their chest. Will it help? I don't know. The line is Bama minus 7. And I think if I was putting money on it, and again, I'm not you know a, a seasoned betting pro, but I know a lot of people like to talk about it. And I do give my opinions. The line is 7. I would be all over it. I would probably pick Ole Miss straight up. But I'll take the plus 7. The over is 55.5. I'd probably go... Um, With the under. I just don't know if Alabama can score enough. But I love Ole Miss getting a touchdown in this game. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch the crowd reactions if Ole Miss gets up in this game. Who's gonna step up for Alabama? You've heard from a lot of former Alabama players not happy with what they've seen so far this year from their beloved alma mater. Heading into the evening, another Pac-12 top 25 matchup sees number 14, Oregon State. Heading to the Palouse to take on Washington State number 21. These are two teams that are not used to having the attention of the football world on them. Let's be honest. Oregon State has the bigger name at quarterback with DJ Uyunglele. But just like Justin Fields for the Bears, I'm not sold on him being a good quarterback just yet. The Oregon State line is really, really good. And I think that they give DJ time to make better throws. But if anyone can get pressure on him, I think he has trouble. Uyunglele has six touchdowns, two picks on the year. The solid offensive line helps Damian Martinez, the Louisville, Texas native. He's been the leader on the ground with 40 carries, 351 yards. That's an 8.8 per carry clip. And I know any team would love to have a running back with an 8-yard average. And as good as the Beavers have been on the ground, they're just as good at stopping the run. They've only given up 57 yards per game so far on this young season. Now, I feel Washington State, I think the Cougars have seen better opposition. And to me, it feels... They may be the better team, but Oregon State getting the bump from how they finished last year with the win over Florida in the Las Vegas Bowl. Washington State has already beat the likes of Colorado State, Wisconsin. Oregon State's best win was probably last week against San Diego State. So I, I just think better competition. I think they'll be ready. It's at home. Washington State, their air raid attack led by Cameron Ward, completing 72% of his passes, 986 yards through the air with nine touchdowns, and again, zero interceptions when you play turnover free ball you're going to win a lot of games lincoln victor the 5 foot 9 maui senior is ward's favorite target already has 24 catches on the year kind of a short guy you know a lot of that the, the screens get him the ball see what he could do with the football in space now statistically the defense for washington state has given up more yards against i think but what I think, though, it's the talent We saw what Colorado State could do. Some of their talent at receiver, at tight end. And again, I think it's just better than what Oregon State's faced. The line is Oregon State minus three with an over of 56 and a half. I would take Washington State at home getting the points. I love it. I'd probably take them straight up. But I'm just not sold on DJ Ungulale, But I would take the over as well. I think they're going to score some points. Going to score some points. One of the big games. One of the big, big games. A top 10 matchup. Number six, Ohio State heads to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish. Ranked number nine. The names, the tradition, the history. It's a huge matchup in the world of college football. I like the Irish and the reason why, again, when I talk about is just solid quarterback play, which I think is such a big determining factor, not only in the NFL, but in college football as well. Sam Hartman, the ACC's all-time leading touchdown thrower. He's come to Notre Dame, and he is taking the role of leader in full command of this offense, and he's running with it. Kyle McCord for Ohio State. He's shown spotty control of an offense that has the likes of Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka. Hartman has thrown for over a 1,000 yards for the Irish with 13 touchdowns, and again, clean football, zero interceptions. It's just, it's, it's going to be crazy. Holden stays is a matchup problem at tight end for Notre Dame. It shows four touchdowns on six receptions. So you know that goal line red zone matchup? You go up to them. Notre Dame has not had to go to the air to win games. They've really controlled the games on the ground behind a really good offensive line and Audrick Estime averaging 8.3 yards a carry and five touchdowns. Their line is really good. Their defense has proven to be pretty good as well. That being said, though, they will be tested by the skilled players from Ohio State. Let's not sleep on the fact, like I said, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka, Trayvon Henderson, a dynamic running back that can break open any game. But this is a big game for Ryan Day because another big game fail for the Buckeyes. And I think that ratchets up that heat on his hot seat heading into that Michigan game. If Michigan continues to do what they're doing, you head to the big game, Ohio State versus Michigan, you lose again. They, they don't play up there in Ohio. Uh, I'm not one, I'm not calling for coaches' jobs. I've never liked been that, that you need to fire him. But if they lose this game, that's another big game fail for Ryan Day. Could that be the end of him at Ohio State? The line is Ohio State by three. So they're favorite on the road with an over of 56. I love Notre Dame getting points at home. I love it. I just I think what Sam Hartman brings, I, I love the game. I, I'm not an Irish fan. I'm not an Ohio State fan. I just love what Sam Hartman's bringing, and I, I, right now I put more faith in what Sam Hartman is doing than Kyle McCord. On the road, if things get a little testy, a little tough, I think Hartman will be, play better in a close game than McCord would. Notre Dame getting three points at home. I'm all over it. I'm not sold on the over. It might be raining during the game, so I would probably go with the under. could be a low-scoring game. One that I think might be just a snooze fest, Iowa heads to Happy Valley to take on number 7 Penn State. The Nittany Lions, you know, they're going to do the wide out game. So it's going to be, you know, they're going to be really hyped up for it. Iowa has former Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara, but still not a great offense. They barely beat Iowa State. That's a team that lost to Ohio. McNamara, his touchdown to interception ratio has got four touchdowns, three interceptions. And in comparison, Drew Aller for Penn State, four touchdowns, zero picks. Penn State, they rely on a two-headed threat of Nicholas Singleton and Katron Tron Allen on the running. Seven touchdowns on the ground this year. The crowd's going to be a big part at Beaver Stadium. They always will be, especially on whiteout games. Now, a crazy line. Penn State by 15 and over of 40. I'd for sure be on the under, and I'd probably take Penn State giving up the points. I'm just not sold on Iowa. I don't think they could score that much. I know these two games are not top 25 matchups, but I have to talk about two games. The first, I've got to talk about Florida State heading to Clemson. One, because I picked Florida State to be in the playoffs at the beginning of the year, and with you know, the meaning of this game. If Florida State loses, their run towards that playoff is more than likely over. If Clemson loses, the talk continues as the Clemson run done, period. If they win, could they bounce back and make a run for the end of the year as well? Maybe, maybe. Looking at quarterback play, Jordan Travis, in my opinion, is leaps and bounds better than Cade Klubnick. Trey Benson is one of the best backs in the ACC and a receiving core led by Michigan State transfer, Keon Coleman, and 6'7", Johnny Wilson. Now, Wilson has had some troubles with drops this year, and he's not found the end zone yet. DJ Lundy, Jared Verse need to make some plays and rattle Klubnick, get him flustered in the pocket, and seeing what Duke and Riley Leonard did to Clemson's defense, I see Jordan Travis doing a lot of the same. The line is Florida State, minus two and a half with an over of 55, I would take Florida State to cover. They had their scare last week after jumping out to a big lead on Boston College. So I think they're going to be okay. But I think the run for Clemson is done. Now I have to talk about my Sooners. I got a lot of fans, uh, supporters that listen out in Oklahoma. And the 16 Sooners are going to hit the road for the Big 12 opener in Cincinnati. That's right. Toby, if you listen, brother, I hope you get some skyline chili when you're up there. The Bearcats start the first year in the Big 12 as the Sooners are making their exit. Now Cincinnati lost last week to Miami of Ohio, and Emory Jones, the former Arizona State quarterback, the former Florida quarterback, in his sixth year, has just never been able to put it all together. So that usually means for us Oklahoma fans, well, he'll have a career day. You know, when when quarterbacks are struggling, it's just what it's over the last fifteen years. Quarterbacks like this usually come in and have a career day. I hope not. I feel the Sooners' defense is much better. It will be interesting to see how they handle Jones. Now, Dylan Gabriel's having a great start to his final year, completing 82.5% of his passes. He's thrown for over 900 yards, 11 touchdowns, just one interception. The running back room is really full, and I start to worry about if anybody's going to bounce out when the transfer portal opens up. Ty Walker, Javante Barnes, Marcus Major, Dylan Smothers, Gavin Sawchuk. I think the ground game's in good hands. The defense has made adjustments, led by Danny Stutzman, who backed up a national defensive player of the week with a pick-six last week against Tulsa. Weather could be a factor in that Cincinnati area, like I mentioned. The big new kickoff, the line is OU by 14.5, with an over of 57.5. I like both. Now, this will be the first true road game for Oklahoma, and the Cincinnati crowd may be amped up for the first Big 12 game. The last time these two met was in 2010, where Landry Jones, Ryan Broyles, and DeMarco Murray led the Sooners to a 31-29 victory over the Bearcats. It'll be fun to watch. I'll have to have my uh, shot of bourbon before the game's starts. I'll probably... I'll need to go into my bourbon collection. But I'll probably... I'll probably go with the Wild Turkey Rare Breed, which is just a great kind of everyday pour. Not too snoodish. But I love the wild turkey rare breed. Coming up next, I got my give them a six or six picks in college football. All right? I like the over, seven and a half. Now it's what, what it is, Oregon and Colorado. Combined, I love it. Utah minus four and a half over uh, UCLA. I'm all over that. Ole Miss plus seven at Bama. Give it to me. Washington State, plus three over Oregon State, I'm all over it. Notre Dame, plus three over Ohio State, yes, I'm here. The under in the Penn State game, under 40, that's what I'm taking. And like I said, for those who don't know, the give him a sixer, that was my touchdown call. That's what I used to use. And it caught on. Some of my other calls have caught on to the likes of Dusty Dvorak using my lines in some of his calls on ESPN and ABC. I've called him out on it. A couple times. I've had people around the country that know me and have heard my calls say, Isn't that your line? Heels to the field. You owe me, Dusty. You owe me. Now, one of my favorite segments, you all know love talking about food. Uh, and I'm gonna talk about my top five comfort foods. That's right, it's getting ready to be fall. What are your top five comfort foods, okay? Things that make you feel good now this is just me. You can comment on any social media platform. let me know what your comfort foods are and and, and I'll respond. We can rank it we can have a fan poll. but my top five comfort foods number five a grilled cheese sandwich. You just can't get any better than a grilled cheese sandwich. I'm one I still use butter. I know there's people out there that use mayonnaise on their bread to grill it i I've never tried it. I'll stick with the butter. Number four for me. Homemade biscuits and gravy. I did this the other day for the kids, me and my wife. You know, I I, made some sausage, kept the grease in the pan, the flour, the milk, homemade, pepper. Oh, it's amazing. Biscuits and gravy for me, I love it. That's a a big comfort food for me. I'm 47. My number three, okay, and being the age that I am and the era I grew up in, and those of you may remember, Number three comfort food for me, the Hamburger Helper with some plain white bread. I loved Hamburger Helper with a couple pieces of Wonder Bread. It just, it hit. It just slapped different. Like sometimes, you know, the Hamburger Mac, amazing. But number three, Hamburger Helper with a slice of white bread. Number two for me, spaghetti and meatballs. It's just, it's nostalgia. It's home. I love making meatballs here. I'll make them by hand. I'll roll them. Get a good mixture of pork, ground beef, seasonings. I'll roll them, put them in the refrigerator for a little bit, into the oven, then let them simmer in the sauce. You gotta salt the water. Make sure it tastes like the ocean. It's very good. Spaghetti meatballs my number two. And my number one comfort food, yes, my number one comfort food that I love, meatloaf and mashed potatoes. God, you just can't get better than meatloaf and mashed potatoes. That's my number one comfort food. I know there's no soups on there. And I love soup. I don't have anything against soup. chilies, But for me, those are my top five comfort foods. Number five, grilled cheese. Number four, biscuits and gravy. Number three, hamburger helper with a slice of Wonder Bread. Number two, spaghetti and meatballs. Number one, meatloaf with mashed potatoes. All right, guys. That's going to wrap up this episode. Now, some news I have for you. I'm going to start breaking these up. I'm going to do a college and an NFL segment, so that way I don't have to rush everything, and I can break down both the college and the NFL games. I'm going to release the college one on Thursday and the NFL one on Friday. It'll give more time to really digest, and you know, not feel like I have to rush everything through. Give you a little heads up, and I think it's going to be great with the interviews coming up again, Jordan Evans, former Sooner. Former Bengal. talk to him. Also, Matt Skalicki from USA Today, we're gonna get him on, get his opinions, and a good friend of mine, PJ Mills, will have him on as well. If there's anybody else you'd like me to get on, again, interact with social medias, let us know if there's a guest you'd like me to try to get on. So so again, thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food for your ears. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouth-watering recipes, and sports insight that's hit spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.